Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network. Broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All hit Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. This is the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. By the way, X-Zone Nation, uh, in case you haven't realized, today is the 11th of December, which means for all you slowpokes out there who have not gotten your Christmas shopping done yet, you have exactly 14 days. Now, come on, guys. Get out there. Get the gifts. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't be another Homer Simpson when you wait until the Quickie Mart at midnight, Christmas Eve, to see what specials you can get. It doesn't work anymore. If you'd like to uh, send me an email, exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And um, if you'd like to listen to us, you can go to uh, the main network feed at www.xzbn.net or Talkstar Radio or Digital Satellite Network or Wi-Fi Broadcast Network or, I uh, let me see, iHeartRadio. My first guest uh, this hour, I should say tonight, is Lamar Waldron. Now, uh, Lamar has been called the ultimate JFK historian by Variety. Well, the Chicago Tribune said he is one of the best investigative journalists in the United States. Waldron and his new book, The History, the Hidden History of the JFK Assassination, were covered by the Boston Globe, NBC News, the Chicago Tribune, the New York Post, The Guardian, the BBC, and he's appeared numerous times on CNN, Fox, and MSNBC, and his work has been the subject of two primetime Discovery Channel's produced by NBC News. His books have been praised by former Secret Service agents, FBI agents, congressional investigators, and mafia prosecutors for the Attorney General Robert Kennedy. The website is www.thehiddenhistoryofthejfkassassination.com. And joining me now is Lamar Waldron. Welcome to the X-Zone. Great to be with you, Rob. Where did the fascination with JFK come from? Hard to say, really. Um, uh, I you know, was in elementary school when JFK was killed. I mm-hmm. happened to be playing hooky from going to church by pretending being sick uh, the Sunday morning after JFK was killed. Uh-huh, yeah. Because there was nothing in America except for JFK coverage until that morning, 
they were actually going to be showing cartoons mm-hmm. on one channel. And so I pretended to be sick. The first time my parents had ever left me home alone, they, you know, set me up in bed and, and they were just going to be gone for an hour. And, and needless to say, once they were out the door, I was in front of the TV watching my cartoons. Then they broke into the cartoons to show Lee Harvey Oswald being transported uh, uh, to the county jail from the Dallas Police Department. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly a man comes out of the crowd and shoots Oswald. And I could just tell, even as a child, from the action of all the adults, you know, that this was, this was quite unusual and it was very traumatic because I didn't even know how to dial a phone back then. This is in the old days. And so, you know, so that made an impression, but I really, you know, had no more or less interest than most Americans until around the 25th anniversary of JFK's in 1988, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of TV special. Well, actually, there was one main TV special, and there were two or three books that came out, and uh, there was a lot of talk about the mafia having some sort of involvement, and even the mainstream press in America, like the New York Times and such, and PBS. They were, you know, it seemed like okay, this is something, and and so I, I basically had been writing uh, complex science fiction graphic novels for about 10 years at that point. Mm-hmm. And so with a, with a friend of mine, um, now a, a serious uh, XM radio host named, named Tom Hartman, we, we thought, well, let's write a novel about the JFK assassination. Seems to be some new stuff coming out. Um, you know, we'll, we'll research this for two or three months and then write a novel about it, right? Well, needless to say, two or three months turned into two or three years, and Tom went on to do his thing, and and... I kept at it, and then we, we what we decided to do was to was to talk to people who had worked with John and Robert Kennedy, uh, Robert Kennedy being the Attorney General under his brother President Kennedy, mm-hmm. you know, and see if they wanted to talk to us because we were just writing a novel, you know, so you know get some background and and we got very very lucky right off the bat and and I got an, an interview with JFK's secretary of state uh, Dean Rusk who was a uh, professor emeritus at university about an hour and a half from Atlanta which is where I live and and you know did the interview with him that was for a public television newsletter and then said you know I'm working on this book can I you know get some background from you for this novel that we're writing about you know, events in 1963, and and he just floored me with a couple of the things he said, and then that led to to you know one more JFK associate that led to Robert Kennedy associate, and one thing led to another, and and the next thing you know, it's been 25 years, yeah, and um, you know, I, I, my my collaborator Tom and I, we eventually talked to two dozen people who had worked with John and Robert Kennedy, who who wound up telling us things they had never told anyone, in, in many cases not even their families, let alone uh, any of the five government investigating committees that looked into JFK's murder. Um, you know, there wasn't one committee, there were five. Well, let me ask, and, you, let me ask you this uh, right now. Sure. You know, why would they tell you to and, and, not, the, and not the investigative authorities? I think, well, we eventually found out exactly why, number one. But at the time, uh, we didn't know all the deepest, darkest secrets. Uh, you know, there were two things going for us. One was there had been new information coming out around the 25th anniversary. So, in other words, it was kind of in the air, so to speak. Right. And, and it wasn't like wild or crazy conspiracy type stuff. This was, you know, PBS and the New York Times. And, and so it was like it was... Like it was you know, okay to talk about conspiracy stuff. And then we were, we were nobodies as far as we weren't reporters, we weren't working for the New York Times. Anything they told us wasn't going to wind up, you know, on the front page of a newspaper or on television the next day. We were initially just getting background for a, a fictional novel, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with events centered around the time period of the assassination. So, I think they said, sure, I mean, why, why not, you know? But on the good side, my, my training, I have a master's degree in, in, in counseling and psychology. Mm-hmm. So 
Well, I was very used to getting people in my private practice to, you know, talk about very sensitive, secretive things that they may not have ever told their family or anyone else. Right. And so I guess hopefully some of that came through, and in the course of, you know, talking about things that they had said many times, Dean Rusk, for most of the interview um, that was on the record, um, said word for word what he had written in a recent uh, uh, book of his, what I'd heard him say on TV. In other words, he had his his answers and his view of history rehearsed down to the word. When I started bringing up stuff about Cuba in 1963 in the fall, and, and an odd line I'd read in a Washington Post article that confused me, suddenly he was off script. He was talking, as he said, about things he had never talked about before. But, you know, since there was one line in the Washington Post, you know, I mean, and so, you know, and then once you start going down that, and once you can call someone and say, well, you know, uh, uh, Dean Russ, JFK Secretary of State, told me about this, you know, top secret Cuban operation, and he said, you might know more, you know, you can sort of start to see how one thing leads to another. The, the broader answer to your question is the reason they weren't talking to the Warren Commission or the four later government investigating committees about these same things was, was simply a matter of national security and keeping allies of America alive. Okay, but hold on and, here, hold on here. You've got the, these people who have pertinent information in the assassination of JFK they go before the Warren Commission. They don't give the information because of a matter of national security. Oh, exactly right. But, and but in, wait and a in second. Many cases, in many cases, they were never asked the appropriate questions because it wasn't one or two people. Mm-hmm. It was by the time of the Warren Commission, um, you know, which which began, you know, uh, officially began. You know, as far as really, you know, going and, and geared up with a staff, right. you know, a couple of months after the assassination, um, by then I'd say at least a dozen uh, high U.S. officials, you know, knew the deepest, darkest secrets. Well, okay, but, but none, not one of them, not one of them, told the Warren Commission um, about that. But again. It wasn't for nefarious reasons at all, and that's something people need to understand. There are plenty of reasons people can keep secret. I mean, I, Tom and I kept, you know, deep, dark secrets that we learned from these people for, for many years. Okay, but let, let, let me ask you to, this. To I, I don't want anybody to... killed as a result of us prematurely outing, uh, say, a U.S. intelligence but, asset. But wait a second, wait a, a second. high leader of a foreign country. Hey, wait a second here. I'm having a problem with this because... If these people knew information that just because they were not asked the right questions that could have aided in the Warren Commission, doesn't that make them part of the conspiracy, part of the crime? Well, does it make me part of the conspiracy? It very well could be. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I'm an ex-cop. So, um, and again, if you if you look at it, and see that's an interesting perspective to know, because I've, I've luckily known, you know, a lot of great you know policemen, FBI mm-hmm. agents, you know, mob prosecutors. If you look at it strictly from a um, you know law local law enforcement perspective, this was a murder in Dallas, yeah. it was a Dallas police matter. That right. you know, yeah, I, I can see how you would exactly think that. On the other hand. Let's travel back in time. But, I don't well, know how old you are. Well, I'll you know, admit, I'm old enough to remember, and I'm old let's, enough let's, to have done over 60... Let's go back in time to 1962, a year before JFK's murder. Mm-hmm. And are you old enough to remember the Cuban Missile Crisis? Listen, my, listen, I'm old enough to have done, in the last 26 years, 62 different interviews on the JFK assassination. And yes, I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis very okay. well. And and so... So, you know, I, I was a kid in elementary school. We mm. were hiding under our desk. We actually had a bomb shelter built in our school so that we would hopefully survive the nuclear holocaust. Uh-huh. So what many people forget, and I endeavor, this is one reason my books are so massively long and so thoroughly detailed, 
you have to look at things in context. So a year before the JFK assassination, we all literally thought right. we were days away from nuclear annihilation. Okay, you stand by. I've, so got, to take, I've got to take a break here. ExoNation, now we'll be back on the other side of this break. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com is my email address, and if you'd like to visit our guest's website, his website is thehiddenhistoryofthejfkassassination.com. All right, so let's go back in time where, you know, I remember uh, when I was a child, uh, the, um, the time before pre the assassination of Ke President Kennedy when the Cuban Missile Crisis was going on, we had aerate siren practices, we also saw all the all the propaganda on TV. So let's take it no, from right. where there. And, and, and so people know today the U.S. and Russia don't have a great relationship. It was a hundred times worse back in 1962, a year before JFK's murder. And, and, and we had almost gone to nuclear war uh, twice in mm -hmm. 1961, thankfully, yeah. because President Kennedy, we avoided that. Um, and so... But but it looked like we were all going to get blown to atoms, you know, over the nuclear missile crisis. That crisis was temporarily solved, not permanently, temporarily solved by a deal between JFK and Castro. Mm -hmm. and, I, I'm sorry, JFK and the Soviet leader, Nikita Khrushchev, they left Castro out of the equation. So the deal between uh, uh, the Soviet leader and JFK was... Uh, Russia would withdraw their, their missiles, their nuclear you know, missiles pointed at the United States from Cuba. Mm -hmm. U.S. would withdraw some missiles we had in Turkey pointed at the Soviet Union, and the U.S. Would, would, uh, would pledge not to ever invade Cuba if Fidel Castro allowed U.N. weapons inspectors to look for the weapons of mass destruction that might be left in Cuba. So that was the deal between the Soviet leader and JFK. Right. Castro was not consulted. Okay. He was angry. He said, I'm not allowing any U.N. weapons inspectors into my country. So the pledge not to invade Cuba never went into official effect. That was the first thing All right. So that, is that this where, told us. Is this where the Bay of Pig comes in? No, the Bay of Pigs had been more than a year before. That's why, Cash, that's why uh, the Soviet leader wanted mm -hmm. the assurance there wouldn't be an invasion. So the Bay of Pigs had been more than a year and a half before. The Bay of Pigs was basically a sham put together by the CIA to cover for the fact that they had been using the mafia to try to kill Fidel Castro. There was no way 2,000 Cuban exiles would ever conquer uh, Fidel Castro's 100,000-man army and militia. But the CIA, starting under Vice President Nixon, had been trying to use the mafia just to kill Fidel 
Nixon had ordered the CIA to keep doing that even after Nixon was no longer vice president. He also ordered the CIA not to tell the new president, JFK, about those plans. So the Bay of Pigs was a huge fiasco in disaster. Flash ahead, year and a half, Cuban Missile Crisis, almost a nuclear disaster. We come out of that with, with the Soviet leader wanting JFK to confirm that pledge that they, the U.S. will never invade Cuba, Castro saying, hey, if, if Castro won't let the U.N. weapons inspectors in to make sure all the nuclear weapons are gone, we, we don't do that. So let's, let's dial it six months later, May of 1963. This is six months before the assassination. The number three man in Cuba, the head of the Cuban army, the founder of the Cuban army, the highest black official in Cuba, which was 70% of African descent by that time, contacts a close associate of JFK and says, you know, Castro's betrayed the revolution. I helped him. Lots of people helped him. They're all either dead or they've been run out of the government. I'm probably next if I don't do something. If JFK and Robert Kennedy will back him in a coup against Fidel Castro, he will not only get rid of Fidel Castro and Raul, he will take over the government and form a new government with Cuban exiles backed by the United States from across the political spectrum, from super liberal to conservative, and will eventually have free elections in Cuba. Mm -hmm. So if you're John F. Kennedy, you've still got this standoff with, you know, Cuba over the weapons inspectors, and you don't know if missiles are back in Cuba. And many people were saying missiles were back in Cuba, being hidden in caves that our satellites couldn't see or our spy planes couldn't see. That sounded really great to JFK and his brother Bobby, to whom President Kennedy had delegated all matters related to Cuba, because JFK frankly didn't trust the CIA after the Bay of Pigs disaster. Flash ahead now to November, December 1963. The date of the coup is set for December the 1st, 1963, when the head of the Cuban army, uh, Commander Juan Almeida, will make sure that Fidel and uh, Raul Castro are eliminated. The blame will be pay placed on a Russian or Russian sympathizer patsy, and that will let Commander Almeida, who's revered in Cuba, you know, go on TV and say, look, the dastardly Soviets have killed our beloved Fidel, rally behind me. There were still 10,000 Russians in Cuba. They would immediately all be neutralized, you know, arrested, confined to their bases. And, and then it would go on. You know, he would invite some American-based uh, Cuban exiles back. They would eventually have the free elections. And there's incredible paperwork about all this now. But here's the important thing. It could never be revealed not a year later, not 10 years later, never, that Commander Almeida, the number three man in Cuba, who would then be the leader of Cuba, had all the time secretly been working with John and Robert Kennedy. You know, that, was, that was the biggest secret in American you know, military diplomacy ever. You know, that would just have to remain a secret, that it would just look like this thing happened, some dastardly Russians killed or Russian sympathizers killed Fidel. Now, that was the plan. That was 10 days after Dallas. That was supposed to happen. That the Kennedys did, did two things, uh, one of which backfired. They, they ruled that, that nobody connected with the mafia could be part of their coup plan, which was incredibly secret. I mean, it was so secret, even the Secretary of Defense of the United States thought it was just a hypothetical thing they were, you know, gaming, doing some planning for. He didn't know it was a real thing because they knew it would get out. And the Kennedys also ruled that the mafia, even once the coup was successful, could never reopen their casinos. And that's because the Kennedys were waging the biggest war against the mafia that America had ever seen to that point and has ever seen since. They had the mafia, the top mafia leaders in America, mm -hmm. literally up against the wall. You know, this they is what I find really funny. Cuba. This is what I really find funny, because uh, Kennedy's father was as crooked as a dog's hind leg. Well, there and, are people... And, you know, that. the apple doesn't but, fall very far from the tree in most cases. Well, but, but see, here's, here's what you have to realize. 
So, so yes, Kennedy's father, um, he wasn't, you know, the, the mob always hated Kennedy's father for a big reason. Kennedy's father knew how to do things and stay just like one step within the law. That's, In other words, that, you would buy legal Canadian distilleries, yeah. you would sell some of that to this other company, and then that company would bring it into the U.S., right? And, and, so, of, and of course, Kennedy was paying off a lot of politicians and, and law enforcement agencies to turn the other way. Well, and right, making, and he was one of America's richest men. I mean, he was and, like a Bill Gates you know, of plus, plus, he was also telling them that I'm going to put my kids in power, and when they do, favor is going to roll your way. Well, no, he wasn't saying that. Uh, <laughs> That's why he... So in other words... In other words, if you look at the real history, as I did, and I put it in my books, the way John and Robert, Robert, John and Robert Kennedy were well aware that many people considered his father, you know, a bootlegger mm-hmm. and corrupt. And he was a Nazi lover, stuff. sure. And so, um, now, like I say, it, it's surprising when you look at it, many times Kennedy's father managed to stay like one half step inside the law, like on the stock situation yeah. and stuff. But, so... John Kennedy came to power. Here's how he neutralized those rumors. He came to power going after the mafia. When he was a senator, he headed up these, these um, uh, uh, Senate crime hearings. His brother Bobby was the chief counsel. Yep. Because the mafia had its run of America in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover said the mafia didn't even exist. Yeah. Uh, uh, Vice President Richard Nixon had been in bed with the mafia since the first time he'd run for Congress and all the time. And so the mafia had its run of America and of Cuba in the 50s. It was really Kennedy was the only guy who was saying the mafia is evil, it's corrupt, we're going to go after them. And they did it. They would drag Jimmy Hoffa, the mob's ally, uh, Carlos Marcello, the godfather of Louisiana and Texas, in front of these crime hearings. And just just grill them like Sam Giancana, and, and it's just it's just incredible. And that's how JFK became president was going after the mafia. And then he did something that most politicians never do. When he became president, he kept all of his campaign promises, and they went after the mafia ten times harder. So by the fall of '63, mm-hmm. the mob's backs were against the wall. Big mobsters were being prosecuted. Their families were being prosecuted. There was a big series of articles. Uh, just just the week of the assassination, where Robert Kennedy, who had hired all these these really hotshot great mob prosecutors, they were getting ready to go into Las Vegas and run the mob out of Las Vegas. And so, without Cuba to go to, without Las Vegas, the mob was really up against the wall, and and they had nothing to gain by letting this coup plan go forward, because here's what the mob was able to do. Remember I talked about the CIA working with the mafia yep. starting before JFK was president? Mm-hmm. The mob was continuing to work with the CIA into 1963, right up till the day, right until after JFK was killed. The CIA thought they were still using the mob to try to kill Fidel Castro. All right, but let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Let the me mob ask had a much more important target, and that was getting rid of John F. Kennedy to end John and Robert Kennedy's war against. Uh, okay, so let, ask, let, answer answer me this: How could the CIA work with the mob in the United States without the Kennedys knowing about this and not disbanding the CIA? Because the CIA has no jurisdiction and cannot, according to their charter and according to law, work within the United States. Oh, yeah, you raise such a great point. And so, yes, that's exactly in the charter. The CIA is not supposed to mount operations in the United States. Guess where the biggest CIA operational station in the world was located? New Orleans. Uh, Miami. Close. Oh. <laughs> it's, you know, in other words, it's not Russia. It's not, you know, Paris. It's, you know, it's, it's not Berlin. It's in Miami. Well, according it to the JFK huge. movie that with Kevin Costner, it was in New Orleans. So that's my, that's my account of that history. So, so in other words, the, the, it's just official history. Everybody's confirmed it. The biggest CIA station in the world was located in Miami, running these operations against Fidel Castro. Right. So that's how they were able to hide it. In other words, the, oper- the covert operations against Castro were so huge, mm-hmm. and, and, and so many tens of millions of dollars and thousands of people, that to hide the CIA's work with, with three or four mobsters, relatively easy, unfortunately, it goes beyond that even. 
JFK had cleaned out the upper ranks of the CIA after the failure of the Bay of Pigs. He but, but, but if it's, it, listen, I've got to go to a break, but here's a question I'd like you to answer when we come back. Sure. If Kennedy was such a sharp knife in the drawer of political people in his time, how come he was not aware that the CIA was operating with Cuban uh, operatives right smack dab in the city of uh, Miami. And why didn't he shut it down? We'll be we'll, back we'll on talk the other side. As as All back. right, we'll be back on the other side of this break. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Lamar Walden. His website is, you ready for this? The Hidden History of the JFK Assassination. Uh, com. I'm Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN TV. For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Exonation Lamar Walden is our guest this hour, and uh, his website is www.thehiddenhistoryofthejfkassassination.com. So tell me, Lamar, how did Kennedy miss this multi-million dollar operation that the CIA was mounting in Miami, Florida? Well, JFK inherited a huge day operation against Fidel Castro that only increased... JFK knew all about that CIA station. JFK knew and fully authorized millions, tens of millions of dollars, that would be worth hundreds of millions in today's money, of operations against Fidel mm -hmm. Castro after the Bay of Pigs in 1962 and 1963. They finally found out the CIA was working with the mafia on Castro assassination plots in May of 1962. But the CIA lied and told Attorney General Robert Kennedy those plots had stopped and they were not continuing. In reality, they were continuing, and they continued into 1964. JFK had fired the top two men in the CIA mm -hmm. several months after the Bay of Pigs, so he had his own man as the number uh, one man and the number two oh, man okay. in the CIA. Okay, all right, I understand but, that, I understand that, but my question, but, 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 my but, 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 no, 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 hold on here, hold on here, hold on here, hold on here. I get sure. to talk too. Sure. The question is, why didn't Kennedy shut down the illegal operation of the CIA operating in the United States in Miami? Because if he knew that was going on, then he's complicit in that crime. Well, I mean, again... Again, this is a, a, probably a, a matter for the State Department. 
to Kennedy, there was no crime. How can it be a matter for the State Department when it's operating in the United States of America, in an American city, in an American state? The State Department has no jurisdiction there. But what I'm saying is, the the entire upper reaches of the United States government, state, since everybody, they all knew about this massive, covert, secret war against Fidel Castro. I mean, they all knew about that. And they knew that at any time, Russian missiles could go back into Cuba and threaten the United States. And so I'm that sure, was their rationale. And I'm sure that... Why we have to have this secret war against Cuba. And I'm sure that Khrushchev knew that Kennedy pulling missiles out of Turkey could go back at any time as well. That's, that's totally true as well. Yeah. So in other words... Because of those were, you know, and these were, you know, if there are any movies people want to watch who are very young, Dr. Strangelove and Failsafe, yeah. great movies from it the was. early 60s that show yeah. just how tense and close you were to nuclear destruction. Kennedy's biggest problem was that, that the covert operation grew so big, and the number four man in the CIA, a man by the name of Richard Helms, who would later become CIA director for many years, he had not been fired. He had actually been involved with those plots to kill uh, Fidel Castro using the mafia, along with his uh, protege, a guy by the name of E. Howard Hunt. And he continued using the mafia without telling, not just JFK, but even without telling the top two men in the CIA. So, in other words, the CIA director didn't know that Richard Helms was continuing to use the mafia. JFK didn't know. And... And like I say, the whole upper region of the United States government, they were behind the secret war against Cuba. But, but again, they weren't getting any results. Cuba's an island. Russia was giving a lot of support. That's why JFK jumped for this chance when Commander Almeida said, look, I'll, I'll solve your Cuba problem for you. I'll give you democracy in Cuba. I'll overthrow Fidel. The problem was that several people the CIA was using in their little CIA mafia plots that were kept hidden from JFK, um, were more loyal to the mafia than they were to the CIA. And they literally, literally, we have documentation on this, sold out the coup plan to the mafia so that the mafia was able to infiltrate America's most top-secret operation and use parts of that plan to kill JFK, but to kill him in a way well, that in order to prevent World War III, a lot of these big top U.S. officials, even mm-hmm. the ones that knew about Commander Almeida, and there were less than a dozen that knew about him, had to cover up information because otherwise we were looking at facing nuclear holocaust because the mob had planted a lot of information pointing to Cuba or Russia being behind JFK's murder. But and wasn't if that tr- information became known, you know, the rush for retaliation against Cuba and Russia, mm-hmm. we would have had nuclear war. So, uh, so right. that was the thing that was more uh, important than getting uh, all the facts out about JFK's murder, was preventing nuclear war. All right, but let me ask you, let me ask you this. Wasn't the mob already embedded in, uh, in uh, Cuba? Before the revolution, yes. Because the after mob owned the revolution, a, yeah. Yeah, so after the revolution, the mob didn't get kicked out of Cuba exactly. People don't realize the Castro did close the casinos, but he almost immediately reopened them yeah. and put a mobster, a CIA agent, in charge of you know, him getting the payoffs. But the Cuba casinos, they were very upper crust. They weren't blue-collar like Las Vegas. So you had to wear like evening clothes and stuff. And America's richest people, they weren't going back to Cuba in, you know, uh, you know, unless Castro was, was totally gone. And so the mob had nothing to gain by letting this coup plan go forward, nothing at all. They weren't getting their casinos back. They had everything to gain by killing President Kennedy to end Attorney General Robert Kennedy's war against them. And then if the coup happened, fine, then they could go back into Cuba. But they had they had to get rid of Kennedy because their backs were against the wall. So was it the was it the mob that assassinated President Kennedy? Well, it was the mob, and and again we've got credible confessions from from the top three mob bosses that did it. But they could not have done it without several mid and lower level CIA people, some of whom also later made credible confessions. How about so, the association so with J? The CIA were were important. To, to having the mob be able to do this in a way that forced 
top U.S. officials to cover up so much. All right. How about the uh, theory that LBJ had something to do with it? Well, here, you know, again, people have tried to find any credible evidence for that for mm-hmm. over 50 years, and exactly zero has ever come up. Let me point this out. Most of your listeners don't realize Dallas was not the place JFK was supposed to be assassinated. That was the backup plan for the backup plan. JFK was almost killed in Chicago three weeks before Dallas, Mm -hmm. when that plan had to be called off, when the Secret Service found out there were four gunmen at large, and an ex-Marine with several similarities to Oswald was arrested, um, an ex-Marine that worked at a warehouse overlooking JFK's motorcade route. Uh, That assassination attempt was called off because JFK just didn't even go to Chicago because there were four gunmen out who were going to shoot him. Um, Then JFK was almost killed in Tampa, Florida, four days before Dallas, when JFK did have to go through with his motorcade. And so, in other words, the, the assassination is not a Texas event. Texas, Dallas was the backup plan, you know, for the backup plan. In other words, JFK was supposed to be killed in Chicago. Yeah. That got called off. It was supposed to be Tampa. That got called off. Then it was Dallas. All right. So the last... Okay, let me, let me ask you this. Was Oswald a patsy? It's, it's what he said. There was a, uh, like I said, there was an ex-Marine actually arrested mm-hmm. in Chicago with yes. many similarities. There was a Fair Play for Cuba committee member in Tampa who had two dozen similarities to Oswald, who, who, um, who actually then went to Texas after that attempt was called off. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Oswald was okay. a patsy just like the ex-Marine in Chicago would have been a patsy, and the, um, the uh, uh, Fair Play for Cuba committee in Tampa Remember what I said about the worry about nuclear war? Because Oswald had been to Russia on behalf of U.S. intelligence, uh, but people didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. Because Oswald you know, had been to Russia and was a Fair Play for Cuba committee member, you can see how he was the ideal patsy. But, but isn't it true that Oswald was a CIA operative? Well, technically, again, if you look at the military background, he was a naval intelligence operative who did work for the CIA. Then how come his girlfriend, Judith Vary Baker, testified that Lee Harvey Oswald was a CIA agent? Well, that's because most credible experts on the JFK assassination feel that the facts have not supported the vast majority of what she has said. Or, or is this another contrast. conspiracy? Is this another cover-up? Whereas, in contrast... There is tons of independent evidence, including from Oswald's buddies in naval intelligence, that, yeah, he was working for naval intelligence. In fact, I, I interviewed sources with naval intelligence that said, oh, of course we followed Oswald from the time he came back from the Soviet Union. We, we tracked his every movement. We knew what Oswald was up to. Uh, but they didn't know Oswald was going to be the patsy in killing the president. Oswald thought he was going to Cuba that day. He didn't think he was going to get blamed for killing the president. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, so he also was a naval intel, you know, because he was in the Marines. I, 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 can, I can give you another easy thing on Oswald, too. The Warren Commission said Oswald was a teenage communist, and that's why he killed JFK. How many teenage communists ever joined the United States Marines and tried to join the United States Marines before he was even old enough? How many U.S. Marines, once they were, people were in the Marines, go around spouting a love of Russia and well, all things we Russian. Can, we can see, this, we see the same today with the, with the members of the Never Muslim community who join the armed forces and spout their love for Allah. What's the difference? Well, uh, today, if you go spouting your love for armed forces and you use that in such a public way mm-hmm. that your buddies make, you, you will get written up. You will get disciplined for that, and you'll probably get beaten up, too, frankly. But... You know, Oswald was never written up once for that. All of his, yeah. uh, you know, Marine buddies were fine with that. And that's because he was, he was working for naval intelligence. And again, there's a ton of independent corroborated uh, documentation that that started when he was working at the, he was based at the, the CIA uh, spy plane base in, uh, at Sugi, Japan. It continued when he was in Russia. So, in other words, he was, uh, you know, he, he was an intelligence operative. He thought he was, you know, working on some new Cuba oper- Cuban operation. He thought he was going to Mexico City and into Cuba that day. That's why yeah. he was concerned. Let me, let me ask you this. Why the big, the big uh, hoopla over Cuba? If Russia wanted to place missiles 
somewhere. Or even if they didn't, they still had nuclear submarines. They didn't need to put land-based missiles. Why the big kerfuffle? I've been to Cuba, and it sucks. I wouldn't go there again if anybody paid me a million dollars to go there. And, and, and it's so ironic you say that, because here in America, of course, we, we're generally not allowed to go to Cuba. Yeah. So everyone I know in America is dying to go to Cuba. Save your money. But, go somewhere else. But, but I, you know, to answer your question, if, again, if you go back and look at the way politics are, the way countries' leaders are, and they want to look assertive and be powerful, yes, the Soviet Union had nuclear submarines. They didn't have all that many, and they weren't, frankly, all that good. But it was the, the, the thing that the, the missiles were publicly in Cuba. In other words, no American president could ever hope to get reelected. Once, once it came out, those missiles were in Cuba. You know, JFK felt like, and I believe he did, politically have to take a stand that those missiles have to go, or else he's not getting reelected. No way he's getting reelected. All right, stand by. We've got to take our final break here. Exonation. Lamar Walden is our guest. www.thehiddenhistoryofjfkassassination.com. That's the hidden history of the JFK assassination.com. Check out the programming we have available for you 24 7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back on the other side as we wrap up this hour with our guest, once again, Lamar Walden. is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet, viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Lamar Walden is our guest of this hour, Exonation, www. The hidden history of the JFK assassination.com. All right, here we are, well over 50 years since the assassination of President Kennedy. We, we know that 
people who could have told the truth to the Warren Commission decided because the right question wasn't asked because it was a matter of national security. We know that Kennedy did not have his thumbs on everything and that he was complicit in allowing the CIA to operate within the U.S., which is against law, which means Kennedy had some very dark corners in his presidency, like most presidencies do, that he can't walk on water unless he knows where the stones are. So we look at all of this. Why do we care all these years later if nobody's willing to tell the truth? I can give you several big reasons for that. You know, and, and I say that in the context of somebody who's been waiting years for all the JFK files to be released. At the end of the Oliver Stone movie, mm-hmm. in, back in 1991, it said, I believe it said, there were still hundreds of uh, pages of JFK assassination records that had not been released. Yeah. So Congress unanimously passed the law in 1992, the JFK Act, to say, release all those records. Now, nobody could have ever guessed then that four and a half million pages of records were yet to be released and got released. But here's the problem. There are still, according to one estimate from NBC News, a million pages of CIA records alone Mm -hmm. that have not been released. Should they be released? There there are confession-related records and tapes of one of the Mafia Godfathers that have not been released despite that law today. Okay, with all the hacking that we have within the systems these days, whether it be the Koreans, whether it be the Russians or the Americans hacking the, the Russians or the Koreans or any other country, there are independent hackers like WikiLeaks. Why hasn't anyone broken into the data banks that contain these so-called dark secrets and oh, released them here's, to the public? Here's, exact, here's exactly the reason. Number one, remember... These records were formed at a time when there were not electronic records. So the records we're talking about that we want Mm -hmm. are literally pieces of paper, in some cases crumbling pieces of paper, but they're nonetheless, and and audio tapes recorded of one of the mob godfathers talking about his role in JFK's death in the mid-'80s. So these are not electronic and, and so, so that makes them basically impervious to hackers. But in what, words, what is this going to change? have to break in to the National Archives, mm-hmm. which archives two in, uh, outside of Washington. I, I was looking at the back of it for a Japanese TV show several weeks ago, and, I mean, yeah. it's impregnable like no science fiction. All right, but let, once again, let me get to the, the main question that everyone I know wants to know. Big deal. What, what's it going to change? The guy is dead. The main players are dead. Cuba doesn't have missiles in it. What's the and big yet, deal? We we uh, we ran a cold the the Cold War the covert Cold War operations against Cuba continued very actively until five or six years ago, and there are people in the CIA that want to reignite that Cold War with Cuba. All that weird stuff about the audio. A thing causing the ill. I mean, people. I mean, there's still weird stuff that happens in Cuba. So, until the so, here in America, we do not have normal relations with Cuba, which is 90 miles away. And I tell you, it's it's cold here, even in Atlanta now. We we wish we could be on a beach. Well, you can, you, can, you can go to the U.S. But, Virgin but, Islands. Even more than that. Even more than that. Once people know what was what's really in the files that have been released, yeah. and most people don't realize. I'll give you an example. So Robert Kennedy is running this coup plan for his brother, okay? And two months before JFK's murder, someone says, what if Castro finds out about the coup plan and tries to retaliate against the United States by, oh, assassinating an American official? Robert Kennedy says, good point. Let's form a committee. We'll get people from uh, State Department, CIA, Defense, and we'll say, so we can start planning now for what happens if it looks like. Cuba has found out about the coup plan and retaliated by assassinating an American official. Okay, so uh, listen, our time and, is going. So for, our time so, is so going fast. Weeks, Wait a sec, hold on. Our time is sure. going fast. Sure, sure. Let's get right to the bottom. Who killed Kennedy? The mafia, with the help of several key people in the CIA and all of the key players, mm-hmm. later made credible confessions. By credible, I mean late in life to trusted associates they thought would never be exposed, and not for any kind of financial gain. Okay. And with plenty, 
and in some cases a mountain of independent corroboration for their confessions. Is it also possible that the files that are still being maintained under the strictest of security also can implicate a lot of different people within the CIA and other agencies, including politicians, including law enforcement officials who were part of this, and they just don't want that information to get out. Well, while that's always possible, we already know, and by when I say we, I mean people, researchers like myself, people who've read my books, people who've read some other credible books. So a lot of it is they want to avoid embarrassment. In other words, it's one thing if I come on your radio show and say, yes, uh, the head of operations for that gigantic Miami CIA station, David Morales, he confessed to his role in helping to kill JFK. It's one thing if I say that on your radio show. It's another thing, you know, when pieces of paper or, you know, an internal investigation by the CIA says that same thing. Okay, I so, can understand that and I can appreciate yeah. that. But if these, these witnesses that, that you were talking about at the very beginning who know the story, they were brought before the, um, the Warren Commission, they would not give out the information because it was, number one, they weren't asked the right question, number two, it was a matter of national security. Right. Why then do you think, or any of the other JFK hobbyists believe, that the information that is being kept has not been labeled national security and you will ever get it? Oh, oh, no. In many cases, it has been labeled national security. Okay, so... In other words, that is, that, that is their internal justification for keeping it, it secret. Okay. I, I can tell you this. Commander Almeida, you know, the number three man in Cuba, stayed the number three man in Cuba. He didn't die until 2009. So all the time in the 70s and the 90s, while the second, third, fourth, and fifth government committees were investigating, mm -hmm. he was still alive in number three in the Cuban government. So you can start to see there how, you know, even a Dean Rusk, you know, who was still alive in yeah. the 90s and certainly alive in the 70s, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you know America has, has an inside man in Cuba, and, and no one ever thought Castro would stay in power for, what, 50 years? And then, it'd be, you know, Latin American dictators just mm -hmm. didn't last that long. Many people, and I had Kennedy officials tell me this, we thought, look, you know, whether it was in the late 60s or the 70s or the 80s, we thought Castro's going to die or be killed by an internal rival at some point, and then our guy, Commander Almeida, can wind up, and as long as we've kept his work for JFK secret, you know, our man could wind up running Cuba, and then, okay. you know, we can normalize relations. All right. They Let, literally let's thought that was a possibility. Let's ask this question. Have any polls ever been done recently to see how many Americans still care about this case? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And I, I guess it's like, you know, you could look at the top movie actresses of 1962, mm -hmm. and most people would not know more than one or two, right. but everyone knows Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, of course. And, she would, you know. um, and, and the fascination with JFK, but I, I, I can tell you another reason why people should care. You've got about that 30 maybe, seconds. Well, let's just say that the same intelligence failures that led to JFK's murder also helped to lead to events like 9-11 and could lead to equally catastrophic events in the future. So, in other words, as long as we don't know the truth, we're going to keep making the same mistake. But isn't it true, though, isn't it true that there are things the public should know? There are things the public should not know in a matter of national security. And that was exactly the rationale that these Kennedy officials like Dean Rusk told me in 1963. But by 1998, and, and by the way, for a few years, Commander Almeida disappeared from the scene in Cuba and was assumed dead. Yeah. And and so that's why Dean Rusk and other Kennedy officials thought, okay, Commander Almeida, maybe he's dead now. It's safe to talk. Let's bring it out now. But, of course, once so, so much has been covered up for so long, you know, the FBI can't say, oh, yeah, JFK was almost killed in Tampa four days before Dallas, and we kept that secret from Congress and the American people all these years. You know, then, then you start to see that problem. It's not so much people were complicit in JFK's murder keeping these secrets, 
But once you start keeping these secrets, you can't really ever let them out without really damaging the credibility of these agencies. At least that's what the agencies think. And I of think course, the reverse. And of course, it'd be the, great uh, if they released everything. And, and well, you know what? I I disagree with you. I really do. I think that anything under national security should be maintained. And I personally believe that that the people who continue to go forward and try and get these secrets revealed are the people who are a risk to the security of the United States. But let me ask you this. I mean, so, you know, Dean Rusk's view, which I will adapt. Hey, listen, I, that, I'd love to continue, I'd love to continue this conversation, but you know what? Public. We've just run out of time. So, Exxon Nation, uh, once again, a conspiracy is a conspiracy is a conspiracy is a conspiracy. And when you've got high-ranking people who apparently are called before the Warren Commission and they don't want to forfeit the information or reveal the information because of national security, and then you've got JFK himself allowing a CIA operation to go forth within on the United States soil against the the rules of the CIA, it seems that there should be a lot more digging done on JFK's character and his legality.